This episode was brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for business. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Tadros is an award-winning entrepreneur, philanthropist, and the founder of Impressive Digital, Australia's fastest-growing performance marketing agency, according to Deloitte 2020 Tech Fast Fast 50. In the just five years, Rob has built an impressive team into 70 people across Australia and the US with forecast turnovers to be over 16 million by 2021. He's also the host of Growth Masters podcast and has achieved several individual recognitions, including Best Entrepreneurial Talent at 2019 Mumbrella Awards, Mumbrella Next Awards, and finalist for the 2019 CEO Magazine Startup Executive of the Year Award. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Unstoppable, Robert Tadros. Welcome, mate. Thank you, mate. It's great. What an intro. Jeez. <laughs> mate, you just got to live up to it now, Unstoppable. mate. Unstoppable. Uh... <laughs> so, mate, you're in lovely Melbourne, right? I am, mate. I am. It's fucking freezing this morning, but it's... Uh... Yeah, in lovely Melbourne. In lovely Melbourne. Well, it's probably about six degrees, is it? Uh, I was about four this morning when I was oh, taking the little yeah. man to school. But, you know, here we are. It's probably about, yeah, it's probably about six now. It's got up a couple I'm of degrees. Here I am complaining in Byron Bay. I think it was like 15 degrees this morning. I had the fire on. So, mate, I can't hold a candle to that. Definitely wouldn't be um, complaining if I was you. Yeah, mate, I can't. Oh, the only thing I can complain about is how many people from Melbourne are actually in Byron Bay right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts, mate. This isn't even in Byron Bay anymore. It's basically like a, the, the most northern suburb. It's the most northern. It's, it's probably the furthest, farthest suburb on the northern beaches we have from Sydney. Yeah. It's now called Byron Bay. It used to be Palm go. Beach. It's now Byron Bay. So, mate, listen, thanks for coming on. Keen to have a little bit of a chat. So, but every, something I ask every guest when they come on, mate, you know, because it's a question I hate probably more than any other question is, you know, you're at a dinner party, you find yourself in a social situation where you don't know anyone else there. There's maybe eight people at this table. And as you sit down to, to, to have a meal, a beautiful degustation and for everyone to get to know each other, the room goes silent. The attention turns to you and someone says, so Robert, what do you do? How do you answer that question? <laughs> uh, I've got a couple of ways actually now how I answer that question, but probably the, the most suitable answer here is, um, and it's interesting you ask this question, right? Because I did a bit of work around finding my purpose and finding my why probably about 18 months ago. Um, Cause everyone looks at Rob, you know, even, you know, per the intro that you've just done there and everyone thinks impressive digital, right? Performance agency, Deloitte fast 50. Um, and I'm like, this is not what I'm known for. This is not why I get up out of bed and out of bed each day. Um, so, so for me, my biggest, the, what, what I do and the reason why I, I, I love what I do is um, working and supporting those around me for them to really find their passion and what they're, what they're excited for in life. Right. Um, I'm an architect turned marketer. Right, which is a, uh, a story no we could get into, mate. Yeah. So, um, wow. you know, at the age of 19, all my mates are, you know, working at Maccas and, and, and KFC. And I thought to myself, this is, I'm, I'm better than this, right? I got to go find something else to do with myself. Uh, started my first e-com businesses, sold it for a bucket load of money. And, um, and I just sort of fell into the game because I just loved it. Um, How old were you when you started your first e-com? Uh, I was 19. 19. And what was that? B- built a, uh, a supplement brand. I was importing products from the U.S., into into Australia, um, yeah, right. just white labeling them, right? So I was getting these white bottles and I'd throw my label on them. Mum and dad are in the back packing boxes, right? <laughs> um, what year is this? This is uh, this is early 2000s, right? Okay, um, yeah. What was the brand? Do you mind, is bo- it bo- something bo- I know? Yeah, yeah, Boost Vitality ended up in Priceline. Yes, um, okay, yeah. So uh, built a brand, you know, at the age of 22, I sold it for a few million. Um, in hindsight, I probably would never have done that again, but Hey, you know, you live in, yeah. you, you live and you learn. Um, 
Yeah, so built this business. What do you do it. though when you find yourself at 22 with a pocket full of cash and you know nowhere to and nothing nothing to show up? Or did you have did you have a buyout period where you had to stay in the business for a period of time, or were you no, basically that, locked and loaded and got out? No, they gave, they gave me the options. I didn't want to know. I, I didn't want any handcuffs at the time. Right, I'm young, mate. I'm, I was young, dumb, though, yeah. with a big golden ticket in front of me. So I took it and ran. Um, uh, what do you do? You spend a lot of money on stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you if have I, to. Right, it's the right of passage. This is what you do, right? And if it wasn't for yeah. my old man going, no, give me, give me X amount, and I'm going to go and invest it for you, I probably would have blown the entire, the entire amount. And it, and it wasn't yeah, a thanks, small, Dad. a small amount, right? Um, yeah. So thanks to him, I ended up uh, getting in the property game as well, and um, you know, building a, a decent portfolio at the age of 21, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm still, I'm still building it. So um, you party a lot, you go overseas. Um, I reckon I've probably spent two months of the of the year in, in Melbourne and the rest of it all over the world. So yeah, right. Lots of experiences, had some so great you time. You were living large. You you, you were at age twenty two, living large, but still doing some smart things on the side. I was still doing some smart things on the side, and you know, this, it's it's not as rosy as, as as it sounds, right? There was always some some challenges along the way, and and all the rest. Of it. And it's probably later on, actually, after I came back from all the partying, I was like, shit, this is not actually sustainable. This life, I got to yeah, right. try and find something to do with myself here. And so, um, what happened there? Like, what did you? Where did you go? What did you look at? Yes, yeah, so I, I I came back and I thought because you know, I hear that a lot. But I guess twenty two is one of those ages. Most people don't sell a business until their forties. You know, if they're lucky. But to sell a business at twenty two and have a pocket full of cash is kind of like a, one of those tricky situations. You've got money, but you've also got a lack of direction because you've you know you've got everything that you want at this age. You can kind of go anywhere. Well, that's exactly right. Look, you know, I, I came back and I thought, shit, the bank account is starting to to run pretty low. Um, I better go out and try and do something with myself here. And you know, like I was, I was studying architecture at the time, and I thought I kind of like this tech online world, right? And Google was just starting to emerge. Like this is early two thousands, right? Yeah. Where you could literally like throw some keywords at a page, and the thing would just rank, right? Yep. And um, I started building a couple of like online businesses. I was sort of learning on the tools, um, and then I thought, okay, so what have I got? What experience do I have here? I've sold a business. I'm starting another one. I don't really have any business acumen. Uh, the only business acumen I ever developed was going through the sale. So I thought, well, I better go out and and try and find myself a corporate job. Um, yeah. You know, I thought it was probably the best way to best way to learn. Anyway, what was supposed to be a five year, um, you know, experience ended up being eight. But I'm thankful for it because I probably, you know, probably taught me um, a lot of what I what I know now. Um, and I and I proved that I was still in for this, you know. For, for this run for I, I had this love for, for, for marketing right so it kind of validated the the the, the love for the space and then i decided all right well i've got the corporate experience under my belt I've, I've sold a business at a young age now what do i do with myself i jumped out and i decided to go into the agency landscape uh, it was like the new hot thing right if you yeah. if worked in an agency that was like the sexy thing to to be in so I went into the agency space uh was in that for for a few years and then i thought there's probably one more experience I need under my belt to be able to go out and run my own thing. I always wanted, I knew I wanted to do my own thing, but there was just one last piece missing and that was client side. I wanted to sit on the, on the other side of the table, right? I wanted to sit in that client seat and understand their thinking and how they work. So I went out and got a client side job for, for three years. And the third year mark, I thought, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to go take on this, uh, this world, right? I've built all this experience. I'm sitting at different, I call it the golden triangle, right? From different seats at the table. I thought, you know what? Got it in me. I'm going out there. I'm going to start my own thing. So I started my own, my first business. And that's, that's actually, that's impressive. That's, you know, has grown quite substantially over the last, uh, what is it? Five and a half years now. You know, we're a team of 75 
uh, market is here out of our Melbourne office. We've opened up an, an office in Austin. It's got five, five of our guys over there. And, um, you know, things are doing, things are going pretty well. Um, and, and yeah. And you guys classify yourself as performance marketers. And so for some, for someone who's may, maybe never heard that term before, how do you, what, what's the distinction? Yeah, look, I mean, there's, you know, when you look at marketing and digital in, 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 in more specifically digital, there's, there's a lot of agencies, right? Everyone, every man and his yeah. dog these days is a fucking marketer, right? So, you know, there's creative agencies, there's brand agencies, there's Facebook agencies, there's SEO agencies, there's AdWords agencies. We kind of path, we, we, we paved our own, our own path and, and, and now refer to ourselves as a performance agency. It was really driving business performance, right? So if we can't, if we can't make an impact on a client's P&L, we're out, we haven't done yeah. our job, right? Our, we, we live to really move marketing from an, from a, um, an expense to an investment, you know, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure you know this yourself, Kerman, right? Like you sit in any board table, mate, when they're trying to cut costs, one of the first line items I look at is marketing, yeah. right? Because they don't see the value in it. If you're sitting there with a CFO or it doesn't matter who it is on a C-suite, it's one of the first things that they look at. So, you know, we exist basically to, to move it from that expense column straight into, a, into, a, um, into an investment so that the, it doesn't even become a question. So to do that, you need to produce tangible results. Yeah. Right. And you need, you need good strategy. So how, what, what's your approach? Like when, if you're going to work with a client and you're looking for, cause I would assume, you know, when you, the, one of the first things you do when you work for a client is you want to get, you know, those numbers in the right column. And so strategically, like when you're working with a business, if, to, if you were to, you know, give us a little bit of an insight into your mind, into your world, like what is one of the first things that you'll do with a company in order to produce low hanging fruits where you just go, you know what, I know this is a, uh, going to be a quick win and be able to prove to the customer that this is going to produce some results. Yeah, look, it's, it's thinking strategically rather than tactically, right? And, and this is yep. the biggest issue and in, in challenge in the space is there's too many tactical agencies where us, you know, of, we've, we've built a, you know, this entrepreneurial talent within the business. Everybody thinks like business owners. We don't think like marketers, we think like business owners. So if I'm sitting here with Kerwin, Kerwin's got a challenge at the moment and it's, he needs more online sales or he needs more, or he needs more leads, right? Um, we, we zoom out, we go, okay, what's current state? Where, where, where is the business at right now, right? If it's doing, say, you know, a couple of million bucks, um, he's got a sales team of a few people, you know, he generated X amount of leads. We know the conversion rate out of, you know, if we were to give him 10 leads, they convert at say 20%. Okay, so he's going to close two clients, average client is worth X. It's just a formula, right? And we take that and then we go, all right, what's, let's have a look at the market segment. What are we, how big is this market that we're trying to tap into right now? And it's a numbers game. To, to be very frank, right? We crunch some numbers and we go, okay, well, let's pull together a bit of a forecast. We know that the market side is X. We know that the current state is, is this. What's the gap that we're trying to close? Let's go out to market and let's look at these channels that are actually going to deliver the performance rather than channels that are going to produce fluff, right? Yeah. We don't like fluff. Fluff can be left to other agencies, you know, with all due respect to brand and creative agencies, although it's very, very important. You know, we don't play in that space. We play with brands that are, you know, semi-established or, or about yeah. to come out of that establishment, you know, maturity phase or growth phase. Um, we grab all the assets, all the equity that they've built over time, and we turn that into pure performance. Okay. Right. Um, so. And when you say channels, like what are some of the best performing channels that you're seeing right now in what industries? Yeah. So, well, that's, that's, that's one of the other things that we look at, right? Is we don't isolate one channel over the other. They all work together to produce an outcome. Right. So yeah, right. we don't believe in this. Let's try and Facebook ads because it's cheap at the moment and we should just go and throw all our money at it um, or Google AdWords or SEO or programmatic or, you know, any of those sort of media, media channels. We look at it as more of a holistic approach. We understand the customer journey, right? So if I'm going to engage with Unstoppable, what's my journey? Where do I start? Where do I end? 
we understand that road to success or that road to conversion. And our objective is to essentially figure out the vehicles that are going to get us there. Um, and then subsequently figure out how much we're going to invest in each channel. So for instance, we might use social, right? Facebook, because it's, it's cheap at the moment, right? And it probably will be for, for, for a little while still um, to drive a lot of engagement to a particular piece of, you know, piece of content or, or a particular post, um, but then leverage different channels after that. Once we've got the engagement to actually hook them into some sort of offer and get them into some sort of a lead funnel, right? If it's, if it's e-commerce, things are a little bit different, right? We use a, we use a stack of different services, or different channels, be that, you know, Instagram or, or, or Facebook, or a little bit of programmatic or a little bit of, you know, Google shopping, a little bit of dynamic Google ads, right. To, to get that overall conversion. So we don't necessarily work, uh, on the, we, we, our thinking is not let's try and figure out what this channel can do. It's what are we actually trying to achieve? And if it's a, if it's a, a lead or an inquiry, what's a qualified lead? And what is, the, what is the business willing to pay for a qualified lead? And let's just say that's 200 bucks. So our job is to get as many qualified leads for $200. If it's a sale, right? Like, you know, say you're JB Hi-Fi and your average transactions, you know, a couple of hundred bucks. Well, how are we going to ensure that the customer or the consumer is going to transact and make a purchase for $200 for a cost per acquisition of say $20, you know? So our budget now becomes 20 bucks to get that conversion. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's a lot of data, a lot of analytics, a lot of, you know, a lot of segmentation to, to figure out which channels is the most desirable at that point in time when that consumer is about to make a purchase or the, or, or the inquiry. Um, so there's a lot of reverse engineering, I guess, rather than just yeah. you know, let's go to Facebook and see what we can do or, and so that first e-com business that you had, was that, did you scale that with a team? Did you have, did you go to size? Mate, it was myself, my parents and my brother. <laughs> yeah, right. And so now with the business that you're in now, and I'm going to assume with the corporate stuff you've done, you've, you've been exposed to teams and culture and leadership and all the, yep. you know, all the softer stuff. Yep. But what are some of the biggest challenges you've experienced? Because I don't think this is agency based. I think this is business based. You know, I think just because you're in the you know, the digital performance space, you, what I've discovered is you will be having very similar problems to someone in, even in some cases in a mining space. Absolutely. So, you know, you've gone from yourself to 75 people in a highly competitive environment where, you know, talent is probably, you know, at a commodity, a premium commodity at the moment that is very hard to, to, to acquire that knows what they're doing, especially in the performance space. You've achieved 75, but what have been some of the bigger challenges you've experienced as you've grown and as you've scaled the business? Mate, I, uh, I'm glad you asked this question. And interestingly enough, I read your post yesterday. I was talking about staff versus talent, right? Yes. Nice. And, you know, I, I build this business with, with one rule in mind. And that rule is talent first, client second, revenue last. Because I'm a big believer that if you get the first two right, your revenue will come, right? It's the, it's, 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 it's the, the cherry on top. Um, where, you know, I find in the business world in general, and even, you know, having gone through this experience myself, you burn people, they will burn your clients and you will not, you'll just be churning and burning through your revenue, right? You're never going to be able to hit good, good profits or good, or good revenue numbers. So finding talent, as you said, is very, very hard. And especially in our space at the moment, you know, they're, they're, they're in demand. Um, if we're seeing a bit of a shift in the marketplace from uh, a lot of really good talent that have been, you know, I guess somewhat headhunted and stolen from, from agencies. Yeah. Um, so it's been probably the biggest challenge for, for this business to date. Um, you know, building a team of 10 was somewhat easy, right? Obviously you get a, you know, you've got a network, you know, a lot of people and, you know, when you're starting something new, everyone wants to sort of jump on board and, and be part of it. But as you, as we scaled and sort of doubled the team from 10 to 20, from 20 to 40, you know, from 40, now we're getting into 80, things start to break. 
right? Including the culture and the people around uh, around the business, right? The ship doesn't move as quickly as it, as, it, as it used to. So you have to get very innovative, right? You got to get very, um, uh, yeah, you got to look for, for, for ways of doing things differently, you know, whether that be, you know, how do you challenge your team to keep them around? You know, how are you, culture's not about, and we all know this, right? It's not about the fucking table tennis table that's sitting outside. That's not what they're looking for, right? It's about how are you challenge them? How are you, what's their career progression? Do they see that there is a career progression in this business? Right. What sort of training are you providing to the to, to the team? You know, so one of the things that we've been working on and been developing over the years is like this impressive academy, um, where we we actually curate a lot of content with our partners, be that Facebook or Google or you know HubSpot or anyone else that we sort of work with, um, to create really good content that can that we can bring and train our, our people on. Right. So it's like it's now it's like the impressive way of doing things. Um, so we look at ways of, you know, a finding really good talent, as I said, is, is very, very hard, but when you get them, it's one thing, finding them and another actually yep. keeping them. Retain. Right. Retention and in, in our space, the, the lifespan of a, of an individual is probably about two years. Ours sits at about three at the moment. So it's so interesting though, but when you see businesses in general, they just don't place a high value on client retention or even talent retention. And it's, uh, in most cases, this is something I see. It's almost systemic. There's just not an overarching focus on it. No, because a lot, a lot of businesses, their focus is money, 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 right? Just yep. revenue on the door and let's look at their bottom line. What are, what are we achieving? And they, they don't care if they've been people along the way or clients because there's more clients out there and there's more people out there. But that can only get you so far, right? It's not very sustainable, right? It's not a very sustainable and big business. part of that retention is culture and, you know, being, having a relationship with them that's contextual, you know, that gives them what they want but also challenges them at the same time. So I'm curious to know, like over the last six years, like what are some of the deficits that you identified in yourself as a leader that you were like, fuck, okay, clearly I'm missing something here and I need it. And what did you do about it uh, in order to plug the hole? Yeah, it's an interesting question, right? So in our space, you get to work with all different types of individuals with, with all different types of behavioral, behavioral traits, right? So we do a lot of disc profiling throughout this business just to understand, you know, the different types of individuals and behaviors that we've got. I'm a very high DI. <laughs> right like yeah. fucking 95 and 98 right so you throw me in a room with a cs we'll probably burn each other right and i'm out of there very very quickly so one of the biggest challenges that i've had is like how do i deal with someone that is polar opposite to me right how do i a identify it and b adjust and adapt to them okay so that we don't end up walking out of the out of the same room or how do i portray a particular message or convey a particular message right so one of my biggest challenges as this team has started to grow is been able to to adapt to the different personality types that's number one and two is even been able to identify it right yeah right um they call me the persuasive the persuasive bulldozer so i can you know like i'll come into a room and just bulldoze over people but over time i've had to just tone it down right i have to bring it back and just be aware that it's not my way or the highway right um, and yes, if that's my behavior, I think, although you might not be able to change your DNA or, or your behavior or, or your, you know, your, your core self, you can be aware of who you are in a certain situation and take a step back and go, how would I normally react here? Okay. Who's in the room? How can I now react towards them? So I don't piss them off. Right. So that's been one of the biggest challenges and I'm pretty vocal about it. Um, I think as leaders and I've seen this, you know, time and time again, um, you can either go down, you know, one or two paths, right? One is like, no, this is my way or, or the highway or yep. adapt and actually understand demographic and who you're dealing with. So everything's can run pretty smoothly. Right. Or learning how to communicate my way or it's just, there is no other way. <laughs> Cause exactly this is right. one thing. And, and this is where and I don't mean to sound arrogant in what I just said, although it could be perceived that way. I want to create a frame here. 
you know, oftentimes, and, th- and I don't know about you, but some of the mistakes that I made earlier on was I tried to run the business like it was a bit of a democracy yeah. where I wanted to give everyone a bit of a say. And then what I realized was I created a much bigger fucking problem for myself <laughs> <Yep>. than, um, <laughs> than I would have otherwise, because all of a sudden you have, you know, a lot of people wanting to give input now. And I think there's a difference between input and, and decision-making, Yes, you know, and for me, you know, I've, I've learned to give my team, uh, as an example, an enormous, um, amount of rope when it comes to the input. But when it comes to the bigger decisions, yeah, I think democracy is overrated in a business because at the end of the day, you know, the, the buck stops with, with you, right? The buck stops with the owner. 100%. Look, at the end of the day, I'm, you know, every decision I make influences 75 people, right? And their families. Yeah. So, you know, when you have too many chefs in the kitchen, that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, I'm all for ideas and opinions, but yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. I'm calling the shots. Right. Yes. Um, and you're right. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest fuck ups I've made as well is, is giving too, too many, um, uh, being a bit lenient, I guess, and just, you know, listening to too many opinions and, and letting that influence my decision yep. versus, you know, going with my gut or what I believe is, is, is the right and sensible thing to, 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 to do. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. And I think, um, you know, I'll look around and, you know, within my network and a lot of the leaders that I speak to, there are some that are still operating in that manner. Right? Mm. And, I, and I think that caused a lot of challenges, right? There's an irony in that because as I said that, I started to challenge my own perspective on that. And it's like, because there are certain decisions that we have to make, which are the big ones. Mm. But, and, and again, you're at 75 now. So you're probably, you know, having this experience yourself. There are certain decisions that you're making right now that although are important, at some point you, you would hope that you don't have to make them. And I guess that's more of my question. Like, what is your goal for scale? Like, is your goal for scale to get yourself completely out of the business? Is it to build this one up and trade it to acquire others? What's, uh, wh- where are you thinking of going? Yeah, look, it's a, it's an interesting question, right? I mean, for, for me, I've already had a couple of, uh, you know, bigger agency groups come and, come and knock. Um, yep. I'm not done yet, right? I'm learning a lot. Uh, for, for me, I mean, look, frankly, it's not really even about the money, right? I'm, I'm, I'm just learning. Every day I'm learning something new, whether that be something that is, you know, within our space or, or, or within the, the, the business world, right? Um, of course, like, you know, I'd be lying if I said if, you know, and say another five years from now, someone came knocking with the right price that I wouldn't, that I, that I wouldn't sell, but who knows, right? The, the reality is I don't, I don't yeah. know. Um, but my biggest objective here is building something, something unique and something is that, that is very different. You can ask anyone out of the 75 people that have worked uh, in this space, they come in and you know, I tell them like, this is different, right? And they go, yeah, in fact, we've heard that before, right? Yeah. <laughs> g- g- give them 30 days in the role and they're coming yeah. and they're like, fuck, you weren't lying. Yes. This yeah, is different, different, right? Yeah. It's unorthodox. We don't do things yeah. the way that other agencies do, right? Um, so it is a very different environment in here. Um, and, and I would like to think that, um, you know, the success here, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm blessed with the people that are around me, right? I haven't done this on my own. There's no, 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 no nowhere near it. So um, end goal, I mean, I've just appointed a general manager, right? And nice work. That, was, that was a fucking tough decision. Yeah. Very tough decision, right? This is my baby. I see business as my baby, right? Like, you know, I've built this thing as five and a half years, like five and a half year old baby, and I'm about to hand it over to someone else, right? It's like sending your kid to the first day at school, right? <laughs> um, that wasn't that wasn't an easy thing to do, right? And I'm 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 finding my 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 rhythm, right? I'm finding out how to slowly slowly let go of certain things and letting go of certain decisions. Um, and I think for me, that's the next phase of learning. Right is being able to identify the fact that, you know, it's it's time to give it to someone else to lead, and under their leadership, that they'll get it to the to, to, to the next stage. Now, what does that allow me to do? It frees up a lot of my time, right? I've got my finger, as you sort of do, and then a few pies and a few different, you know, a few different investments and a couple of different startups. Um, 
again, in a completely different space. So it allows me to learn, right? I want to go and try another business and see what I can do there, right? And, and, and sort of learn along, along, along the way. Um, Have you got family, mate? You married, kids? Yeah, I'm married with a kid and I've uh, got another one. Wife's pregnant at the moment, so. Um, oh, happy days. How old is your, <laughs> your, your child? He's three and a half. Boy or girl? Boy. And how's, how, how's that uh, affected you? Has that, that changed a, you much? It, it changed me completely. Uh, you know, when we, before, before Matea came into this world, it was, it was all about, you know, Jess and Rob. We were just, you know, that's the reason why we existed. Just let's have fun along the way, you know, and do our thing and, you know, try and get the best out of life. And that kid entered the world and it was like, like and everything changed. My perspective changed completely. Now it was all about, you know, it was all about him. And it's like, how can I develop this kid and, and give him the best not necessarily the best things that, you know, money can buy, but like the best experiences in life or like, you know, how do I, you know, obviously, you know, coming from a, uh, you know, from, from Alexandria in, in Egypt, things are not as, as rosy as they are in this, in, in, in this country. So, you know, for me, it was all about, you know, I want this kid to, to learn as much as he can. Uh, nothing's ever going to come easy. It doesn't matter how, you know, how much money daddy's got, or how much money anybody else is in, in, in the family's got. He's got to learn, right? He will have a job. You know, he will go out there and understand what the real world is like. Um, so it's starting that from a young age. So it gave me just a completely different view on life, right? It's not like I belong now. I live on this planet for yeah. for, for him and for everything else yeah. that I'm doing around it, right? Um, have you have you seen any correlations between parenting and leadership? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge correlations. Uh, in fact, and I'm sure that my guys will probably end up listening to this. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, I've got 75 children out there at the moment. And I mean that. It's like an adult way. daycare center sometimes, C- right? Correct. It is. It is. Yeah. Right? And, and, yeah. I, and funny you say that because I actually, I, I talk about that a lot. Um, you know, and I, I don't necessarily mean that in a, in a bad way, but, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of similarities between the two. You know? Well, let's be honest. Most people, even over the age of fifteen, are just children in adults' bodies. Correct. And when you when you put seventy five of them in a room together, you get dynamics <laughs> that are playing out Correct. that often embody you know where people can be at. And I'm the same. Like I, I and I just think that's a human thing, um, but it does require a level of management. And uh, you know, if the only saving grace we get is to make it a little funny, that's okay. So um, you were born in Egypt. How old were you when you came over? I was uh, ten. We landed on my tenth birthday. No shit. And so yeah. where in Egypt were you born? Alexandria. And so tell us about that. Uh, look, Alexandria is a little bit different. You know, I went back in 2008. It's very different from what I, from what I remember. And the place has turned into a bit of a zoo now. But my, uh, What do you remember like when you, when you were there? Mate, you know, Alexandria is a very multicultural city, right? There's a lot of Greeks, a lot of Italians. Um, you know, a lot of Europeans actually went to Alexandria. So it was a bit of a, uh, you know, it's on the Mediterranean. It was a big port. You know, for God's sake, it was founded by Alexander the Great, right? So um, it was a very multicultural, um, uh, multicultural city. Um, and I, I, you know, was under the French colony. So I went to a French school, you know, so my first language was French. Um, uh, second language was English. And then my third language was, was Arabic. And even that wasn't even compulsory. So if, if I didn't, if I wasn't speaking a little bit of Arabic at, at, uh, at home, I, I probably pretty much forgotten it all. Um, so it was a very interesting uh I guess dynamics and culture growing up in, in such a, you know, what I would probably say a very unique city uh, around the world. Um, now everything things have changed a lot. And um, as I said, I've, I've only gone back since 2008, haven't been back, haven't been, haven't been back since, but I think the country's to some degree probably deteriorated a bit. Um, and it's not what I remember of it back then. I remember a lot of, you know, Palm beaches and, you know, awesome water and uh, uh, having a lot of fun with mum and dad. You know, when I was uh, at, a, at a very young age, and even at schooling, you know, like going to a French school, 
and the French are a little bit different, right? So um, yeah. even that was was quite interesting. And I'll never forget, you know, when I first came over, um, I will say the curriculum in, in Egypt and a lot of those, you know, that part of the world is very, very, very high, right? So here I am at 10 years old, I'm coming into school, you know, man, I was learning algebra at 10, right? And I, and I remember yeah, sure. walking into school and like, they're giving me homework. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I thought they were making fun of me, right? It's foreign. Like they're giving me stuff that I learned probably when I was like seven years old, right? And I would go home and I'd and I'd cry to mum and dad. I'm like, they're fucking making fun of me. Like, look at the shit they're giving me. Um, <laughs> and consequently, like I got moved moved up a year, right? Because um, yeah, right. I made a big fuss about it. So, look, I think you know that part of the world is is very different um, to, to here in Australia. Um, so, know, when your parents moved out, what were their jobs? Were they um- Mum's a pharmacist, dad's an accountant, um, you know, right. typical middle-class sort of family. And what the, the main reason they, they, they left was, you know, over there. And if you've got two, two, two sons, one of them has to go to the army when they turn 18. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, dad is one of five boys and he was like, fuck that. I'm not letting my, you know, my, my son's definitely not going to the army. Um, so they, they, they got out and, um, yeah. And here we are. So they, they, they moved really to give us a, a bit of life and, um, really for, for my brother and I, I'm, forever thankful for that right but it's it's interesting how that played out because pharmacist chemist you started off as an architect so you came out of school and went into did you complete your degree for architecture uh six years in i had one year to go and i, I left no shit <laughs> i was like yeah, this is wow. not for me That's yeah cool. i'll tell you why right i fucking tried to go get a job and at a at an architect firm and they mate the guy was offering me 40 grand like for fuck's yeah. sake i've just you know a i've sold a business for millions over here and i thought to myself you're gonna give me 40 grand I think I'm better than that. I think I'm better than that. Um, yeah, so I just I, I left and just continued with with my path, and um, I don't think I'll I don't regret any of it. Um, in fact, here and there, I still dabble a little bit with you know designing houses or you know. Well, I was going to say you probably got a property bent. I'm going to assume, so you probably get to use it in your own way. Co- correct, correct, yeah, correct. Um, but you know, coming from a for an Egyptian family, like, as I said, that part of the world, it's like you needed that fucking certificate on the wall, right? Otherwise, you're you're, yeah. you're nothing, right? Um, and that's the culture, right? That's just the way the, the way the way that it is. Um, but they got over that very quickly. Nice. <laughs> and over. you've just moved into new offices, so um, this is pretty exciting. Yeah, very exciting. So we've moved in. Uh, we've moved three or four. This is our fourth office in five years. Nice. Yeah, substantial growth, and you know, subsequently, you need you need a bit of space and a you know, um, and a bigger space. So um, the team are very very excited. This is our new new chapter, basically, um, and it's uh, got plenty of room to grow, and a recording Mate, studio next door. <laughs> Mate, that's phenomenal. Everybody needs a recording studio. Hundred percent. Mate, um, best piece of advice that you've ever received. Best piece of advice I've ever. Or received. the best piece of advice you'd give. To someone in business, to someone in life, to someone who's clearly going somewhere, yep. but you know they maybe got their own set of circumstances that are either supporting them or preventing them right now. Yeah. But um, you know something that you've drawn upon from time to time, and I don't know, maybe there's an ethos that's run through your life. Yeah, probably you know? the, the the most common piece of advice or the most common uh, topic I, I, I talk about is just go for it, right? I hate people that sit there and analysis by paralysis, right? You will analyze that the cows come home and guess what? Someone else is sitting in probably another room thinking of the same idea and has already launched and taken off, right? Just get into it. Just jump straight in the deep end and you'll figure it out as you go, right? There's only so much preparing and strategy that you can do to a certain point where you go, okay, enough's enough. You're not going to fucking perfect it. So just get into it and figure it out as, as, as you go. Um, that's always been my, 
my, my ethos and how how I've operated, um, and you know, it's it's worked. So, and I tell the same thing to you know people that I mentor or speak to is like, where are you at a point where you feel comfortable enough to just jump in and give it a crack? Yep, go. Stop fucking thinking about it. Stop analyzing. Just do it. Fantastic, mate. I've really enjoyed the conversation today, and I'm I'm kind of excited because we get to continue the conversation uh, in a little bit when we have a chat uh, for your podcast. But mate, where can people find out more about you? You've got your own podcast. You've got uh, impressive. Where can they find you, mate? Yeah, mate. So Growth Masters is the podcast. You can find us on on, on iTunes. Um, find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So Robert Tadros. Um, if you if you throw my name in, you'll you'll be able to find me pretty quickly. Uh, probably the only other channels where I'm a little bit active now is is Instagram. Once again, throw my name in, and you'll be you'll be able to find it. Uh, alternatively, you can always get me on email. So it's Robert at impressive.com.au. Fantastic, Robert. Mate, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure, mate. It's been great to be on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Robert Tadros, you've been listening to Unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for businesses. If you have ever wanted to grow your business faster than what you can right now, if you need to make more revenue, if you need more leads, if you need more clients, if you need to know how to plan your business in a strategic way in order to hit big goals, if you need to learn how to scale your business and grow your team and your business so that you have more freedom, then this program is for you. Imagine three days immersed with me where we cover all aspects of business, but we do it from an immersive, but also an execution standpoint. We execute every step of the way and we're looking at five key areas we're looking at your psychology we're looking at your marketing your sales your leadership and we're looking at your planning and how we integrate these five key areas to grow your business and your brand quickly so if you'd like to find out more information kerwinray.com